Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The FT Employee pensions. Should charges be clearer? Financial advice. Commission-free within a matter of weeks. And horse racing. Is there a way to profit that doesn't involve a betting slip? All this to come in this week's FT Money Show. I'm Elaine Moore, sitting in for Jonathan Ely to bring you the financial lowdown in downloadable form with my colleagues from FT Money, Lucy Warwick-Ching. Hello. Joe Cumbo. Hello. And our special studio guest, David Geel, Head of Investment Policy at the Financial Services Authority. Hello. Let's begin with the money news. This week, the National Association of Pension Funds announced that it wanted workplace pension providers to be much clearer about the fees they charge. At the moment, it's hard for employees to compare pension schemes available at different companies, and it can be hard for employers to choose the right scheme for their staff. With an estimated 11 million workers set to be automatically enrolled into a workplace pension scheme in the next five years, the issue of fees is becoming more important. So, Joe, this plan is a voluntary one, isn't it? Does that mean that all providers are going to stick to it? Well, they've been working on this across the industry, uh, not only providers, but um, anyone who gives financial advice as well too, and insurers have worked on getting this code of conduct together. And you're right that it is a voluntary code and um, there have been lots of calls and pressure on the industry from the likes of Steve Webb, the pensions minister, for charges uh, to be brought under control and indeed more transparency to be brought into the market. Because unlike um, going out and buying a personal pension where there are rules about how uh, your charges are set out, it's very different in the workplace. There's been no consistent rules about how employers should be informed about costs such as um, fees or annual management fees. So it's very difficult at the moment for an employer to compare like with like. But from April next year, when this code comes fully into effect, it should be much easier. And can you explain why charges matter so much to pension savers? Well, we know that charges, if they're too high, can really eat into um, the savings over 40 years or so. Just to give you an example, if you were to have fees of 1.5% and continue to pay into that um, over over the course of sort of 40 years, that could take up to a quarter from your pension pot, so that's quite a lot. Now, that's not typical anymore. Charges have come down quite substantially in the workplace pensions market, but there are some uh, schemes where fees can be that high, and of course, if you pile transaction costs into that, it certainly can eat into your fund. And can you explain why these charges aren't clear? Surely it's just as simple as...
simple as looking at a number on a piece of paper, isn't it? Well, you would think that. But um, the workplace pensions market, again, works very differently to the the market for personal pensions at, at the moment. I think when they have different charging structures, they might be called something like mono charging or multiple charging structures, which make it very difficult uh, for the industry to create one single number uh, to present to uh, employers, as you might get with a single APR. And I think the discussions in getting to where we have with this code of conduct were quite difficult for the industry to even agree with what they've got. And this week, um, the National Association of Pension Funds even said that, yes, it's not as simple as it could be. Um, because of the commercial pressures and reluctance perhaps to get everything uh, down to one number but it will evolve and that was what we heard this week. And that's important because we have this huge change in the way that people save long term don't we and employers are completely central to the government's plan. Of course it is I mean the government wants and says that up to 11 million people will be automatically enrolled into uh, workplace pensions over the next five years and you know a key plank of that is keeping people in these schemes and because it is soft compulsion they're not required to stay in there. They can opt out if they want to. And if charges are too high or they're not seen to be transparent or clear enough, people will walk away from saving in a workplace pension or not saving enough. So we'll have to wait until next April to see just how clear those charges become. Thank you very much, Joe. To read more about the impact of fees on workplace pensions, look out for this weekend's FT Money or go online to ft.com forward slash money. Still to come on the show, investing in greyhounds and racehorses. First, though, financial advice. At the end of this year, new rules will come into place which ban financial advisers from taking a commission for selling products. Instead, advisers will have to agree a fee with their clients. This is a huge shift in the way that financial advisers operate, and with just one month to go, nobody knows exactly how investors or the industry will react. With us today in the FT studio is David Geel, Head of Investment Policy at the Financial Services Authority. David, can you explain to me exactly what this change is and why it's so significant? Of course. Um, well, RDR is really about addressing some of the, uh, the deep-rooted and key issues in the financial advice market um, in a way that helps to rebuild consumer trust and confidence in financial services. And what we see currently is really a market whereby advisors are paid by product providers in many cases. Um, it's not clear what their services they're going to provide for, effectively what they're charging. And um, there are varying degrees of qualification in the market, and it's very difficult for consumers to engage with that and understand quite how well qualified their advisor is and what they're going to do for them. So what we're looking to do really, we're approaching it with three prongs. So we're looking to raise professionalism across the market so all advisors will be required to reach a certain level of qualification, um, which requires upskilling for quite a number of advisors. Uh, we're looking to uh, for them to be clearer about the services they're going to provide. So if they're providing an independent service, that needs to be genuinely independent, looking across all product providers and products. Um, and we're looking for them to be clearer about what they're charging. So advice has never been free. Commission has always been paid for by the customer. It's just taken out of the cost of their product. What we're requiring advisors to do now is to agree that amount with their client uh, to either be paid up front or, in some cases, facilitated through the product. The key thing is the, the customer is in control of what they're paying for and agreeing that with their advisor. So this issue of uh, of fees not being very clear seems to be a running mm. theme in today's programme. Mm. Can you explain why investors thought that advice was free in the first place? Of course, quite often the investor wouldn't actually have to part with 
with any money as such to pay their advisor. It would be facilitated through the product or the commission would be paid from the product provider to the advisor. And that creates a misalignment of incentives. Um, but of course, you know, even though we've required commission to be disclosed, if you don't actually see it coming, you don't agree it and you have no control over that, uh, it doesn't feel like it's coming from you. So a small amount would be taken every year from your investment, say, you would never see that money coming out. So it would just be a sort of drip, drip effect on the total sum. Yes, but in many cases, it wouldn't be a small amount. Mm. It would be a large amount. Mm-hmm. Okay, so from next year, this all changes. And, and I've been speaking to advisors this week mm. who say this is the revolution in the industry. And it's the biggest thing that's ever happened, the mm-hmm. financial advice industry. For clients, mm-hmm. how will this affect them? What's going to happen from the 1st of January? Okay, well, I would describe it as evolution rather than revolution. Um, but it will be a very significant change and it'll be a significant thing that people will notice when they first go to see the financial advisor again uh, after the 31st of December. So I think the things that they will see, firstly, they, they can they will have greater ability to ask their advisor questions about whether they're suitably qualified um, and the advisor will have a statement of professional standing that you, you can ask to see if you want to. Uh, I think, secondly, uh, advisors will have to explain their services more clearly. So as I said, if if you're an independent advisor, you'll be expected to to reach certain standards in terms of advising across the market. If you're offering something less than that, the advisor will have to describe it as a restricted service and explain the nature of that restriction so you can make a decision on whether that's the right advice for you. But also the customer will then be in control of how much their advisor is paid. So you'll be able to agree with your advisor quite how much they're paid and how they're paid for the advice that they provide. So there's a challenge for advisors there as well in in, um, selling the value of their advice as you would with any any other profession. So it'll be interesting to see how those advisors who at the moment would take a commissioner wouldn't Mm. necessarily make clear what their charges are, how they're going to uh, evolve into this new regime. I've heard that Mm. there's some concern that some of these advisors who at the moment take commission may be trying to make as many sales that attract commission in the few weeks leading up to the change. Do you think that's true? Um, It's certainly something that we were concerned about and and we're we're doing some work to actually make sure that 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 doesn't happen or that any sales between now and the retail distribution review and beyond are appropriate. And what should uh, investors look out for? Are there any sort of uh, red flags that they should be aware of in case they're being sold something that's not necessarily right for them in the weeks before RDR? Um, I, I think it's really about asking questions of your advisor and making sure you're happy with the advice that's being given. Um, Say so that's something that we'll be looking at. We look at suitability of sales, and we've done work on that ourselves. So uh, I think I think it's very difficult for a because for a consumer because clearly you're relying on your advisor. But ask them questions. Thank you very much, David. To find out more about the Retail Distribution Review, look out for the money section of this weekend's FT or online at ft.com forward slash money. And finally today, racehorses. Prices for thoroughbred horses broke records this year thanks to rising demand from international investors. In the UK, horse racing is now the second most popular spectator sport after football, and the prize money for winners keeps on going up, making it a profitable investment for some buyers. But Lucy, for those of us who don't necessarily have Wayne Rooney's millions, what ways are there to profit from horse racing? This is one of the first times I've written about horse racing and I've had a really fun week learning about all these different ways that you can invest. One of the most obvious ways you can do it is to just buy a racehorse. It's a very risky strategy, but if you're very interested in horse racing and you know a lot about it or you have lots of good friends in horse racing, then this may be the option that you want to take. So imagine I'm really interested in horses. How much is this going to cost me? I want to buy the best horse out there. So I think, I mean, you'd be looking to spend an average of about £18,000 just on the horse. 
but then on top of that there's all these running costs so it probably will cost you about £20,000 a year to actually run the horse and then if you offset some of the owning costs for the first five years so it's probably about £20,000 a year for the first five years so it is definitely one of those hobbies that you need to really have a passion about. But what could I win if I had this horse? What might I win? Well, the total prize money that's available is about £110 million a year. So it sounds like quite a lot, but obviously there are only a few horses that will win this amount of money. One of the famous horses that everyone's talking about at the moment is Frankel, who is a four-year-old thoroughbred who's kind of really astonished the racing world. The horse has won 14 straight victories and it's actually taken £3 million of that for prize winnings. So if you're the owner, of that horse then you're very lucky but if you aren't then you're kind of watching it and hoping that your horse um you know as it as it goes through the seasons may actually become as fast as as frankel okay so imagine i think i've found the next frankel but i don't have eighteen thousand pounds up front and twenty thousand pounds a year to spend on costs how else might i invest in horses One way to do it is through a partnership. So say if you've got three other friends who want to do it, then you can each own a leg of a horse. So you can split the costs, go into it together. And this may be easier as well in terms of keeping an eye on the horse, spending as much time. You may not have um, lots of free time yourself to do it, but actually if you've got a group of people that are all interested, you can split the races between yourselves. And, you know, it's probably probably a lot more fun actually to do it with a group of people so you can discuss the opportunities and um, what's going on in the racing world. But another way of doing it is to go through a syndicate. So a syndicate tends to be perhaps a few hundred people involved. So it actually really cuts the cost for you right down. But then, of course, that cuts the uh, share of the prize money as well. When you are choosing a syndicate, um, the choice of trainer is really important. And if there's things like uh, stable visits, if, if that's very important to you, then you're going to have to do a lot of research and find out if you can be very much part of that horse's training because some of the syndicates will really be kind of hands-off and then some will actually give you much more opportunity to spend time with the horse. OK, so I've decided I'm not, I'm not all that interested in horses. They're too big and they're too expensive. What about, I mentioned earlier, greyhounds. I think you've been looking at those this week as well. Yeah, so greyhounds have actually become a lot more popular recently and I guess it is because horse racing is the sport of kings and it really is a very expensive hobby. If you are still interested in racing, then you could... And there's some high-profile owners like the Duke of Edinburgh, um, former cricketer Andrew Flintoff and a sports broadcaster Colin Murray and they all own racing greyhounds. And there's several ways to buy it. Again, you can do it through syndicates or you could just buy a young pup and have it reared to racing age. So an unraced puppy at about 16 weeks old would cost between £500 and £1,000, depending on its breeding. So it's a much cheaper alternative. Well, I'm, I'm pretty convinced. Thanks very much, Lucy. For more on the different ways that you can invest in racehorses and greyhounds, read Lucy's article in the money section of your weekend FT. That's all we have time for in this week's FT Money Show. Remember that you'll find all of these stories on our website, ft.com forward slash money. You can also follow our tweets at twitter.com forward slash ftmoney. And if you have a comment that you'd like to share with us about the money section, then email us. The address is money at ft.com. Next week, we'll bring you another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me, Joe, Lucy and David. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. 
Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.